0: Hello and welcome to this week's Strange Pathways. I am your host Scott Mort. I hope you're having a great week. Mine started out rough, but is a lot better now. My lovely wife Ariana was in hospital. She's home now, so that's that's a load off my mind. That's a that's a load off my mind. But I'm still kind of recovering from that. It's it's been draining. It has been draining. And for as bad as it's been for me, I know it's been a thousand times worse for her. But we're, we're finally at the point where, you know, recovery can begin. Our first case takes us back to the early 1960s. The witnesses, they're all going to remain anonymous, at, as is the name of the small Ohio town that this takes place in. The main witness, let's just call him Steve. Steve says that this happened around the time Kennedy was assassinated. So it was 61, 62, early 60s. The witness was born in 1953, so this will put him in the age of like 7 to 10 years old. It's just before sunset in the summer. Steve and his friends. They're they're playing at this abandoned lumber company, and I did the same thing. I did the same thing whenever I was a kid. I I used to go and play in this abandoned railroad trestle near my home. So I get it. I grew up in a small town. So did Steve. He he's going out. He's getting some sand for his pet turtles. And his friends say, hey, there's some sand down by the old lumber company that's out of business. Let's go down there. He's going towards the sand pile. And he looks over and he he sees his friend that's gone with him, ducking down and hiding. There were a lot of other kids with... In this group, but only Steve and his friends are the one who went to the sand pile. So only they saw what happened. Standing in front of Steve and his friend, just about a hundred feet away, are these beings. They see these beings. And the beings see them too. They're. They're not of this world. There were these stacks of cement blocks, and these beings walked behind them. They're black, solid black. It, it's. It's just black. I'm not talking like black skinned. I mean, these things are solid black. They had pointed ears. Steve and his friend couldn't tell if they were wearing uniforms because if they were, it absorbed all the light. The same as their skin. The only thing that wasn't black on these creatures, these beings, were their eyes. Steve said it was the reddest red he had ever seen. He can he can make out one thing though. He can see that they're wearing holsters. They're they're wearing guns. And he's close enough that he says if 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 he had to make a guess, they were wearing forty fives a 1911 45, but they had a flap over the gun. They were the normal height of a person, five six, seven, eight, ten. Steve is able to judge this because he can see their shoulders over the stacks of the concrete blocks him and his friend kind of kind of go if these things are black and it's getting so close to sunset maybe maybe these creatures are hiding until the sun goes down so that they can travel out of town in the dark There was a creek nearby. And once it got dark, these creatures could follow the creek out of town. Steve and his friend, they both admit the sighting wasn't very long. It was only long enough to get a good look at them. But he was terrified. He could not move. He was paralyzed by fear. He doesn't remember seeing their hands. He could just see their upper body right down to the holsters with the guns. Finally, that paralysis breaks once they get behind the concrete blocks. He knows he has to hide just like his friend is hidden. Finally, that shock wears off. That, the paralysis kicks off. And Steve looks over at his friend who's hiding. And goes, we've got to get out of here let's let's get the heck out of here. They take off running. And they yell at the other kids that come with them. Come on, get out of here. Steve gets home. And he tells his mom about it. And she laughs it off. And he just doesn't really talk about it much anymore but he's not able to shake it off later on in life steve says his his mother his mother had her own paranormal experience he doesn't really go into detail about what that is but his mother has her own paranormal experience and then begins to believe steve Steve, though, even though he keeps quiet, this has had a lasting impact on his life. This is trauma. Steve was scared. Steve said there isn't a night that he walks out in total darkness and he doesn't think about these creatures. You would never, ever see them at night. But Steve has decided he's sixty-eight years old. He he's going to get it off of his chest. And thankfully he does. We have this story now. Maybe others among you have have seen something similar to this. Maybe others among you have seen the exact same thing. Or maybe this is a one off. I wouldn't put money on it though. Our next case doesn't take us back that far. We're going back to April 9th of this year, 2022. Elk Grove Village, Illinois. This is an ongoing case. This is this is under investigation right now by the Phantoms and Monsters 40 and Research team. This story of course, is going to come to us from Lon Strickler's amazing website, phantomsandmonsters.com. It's one of the few websites that I go to every single day. Once again, just like our last case, the witness has decided to stay anonymous. So just for clarity's purpose, we're going to refer to the witness as Bob. Bob's at his niece's birthday party, and it starts to wear on him a little bit, so some of the other family members, they go outside. They're going to have a little bit of a drink, smoke a cigarette, just sort of relax, a little adult time. They're standing behind the garage, and Bob's cousin goes, hey, hey, look at this. And points towards the neighbor's garage. At at first, they're, they're not certain. The brain doesn't want to admit what it's seeing. But on top of the neighbor's garage... Is... This thing. It looks... It looks like a really thin man. It's hunched over. But then they they see the arms. Long arms. Freakishly long arms. This thing is propping itself up with these unrealistically long arms. Just hunched over on his knuckles looking at them with bright red glowing eyes, just like that first case in Ohio. Bright red eyes that don't blink. This thing has a pair of large wings that come out from his back and are slowly moving. It's, it's kind of pumping them, moving them up and down while this thing is looking back at them. Remember all the detail that Anonymous Steve gave from 100 feet away? These witnesses, Bob and his family and friends, they're only about 50 feet away. this creature it's it it's shifting up and down it's examining them trying to figure out what they are it's curious about them they're curious about it it's curious about them all in all seven witnesses saw this creature Now, now, Bob has two younger female cousins. They're terrified of this thing. They, they're, they're using the word "demon" to describe this creature. Those two female cousins, their father, who is Bob's uncle, he he tries to calm them down. He goes, "Calm down, breathe." You're going to be okay. Just stay by me. Stay with this group. And we're all going to be okay. This creature has eyes locked on this group for about 30 seconds. And then it starts, instead instead of those wings pumping and moving up and down, it starts flapping its wings. It takes a leap off the garage and flies away. And now they get a good look at this creature in flight. Really tall. Really thin. It it was all skin and bones. Even though. Even though this creature is massively tall. Freakishly long arms. Bob is guessing that it probably doesn't weigh more than he does. It's. (laughs) <laughs> just picture a freakish Batman skeleton wrapped in electrical tape with red glowing eyes that's that's the image I'm getting in my head he, he Bob said in his own words, it looked like a tall version. Of the starving children that you see on the news every once in a while, grayish black. And its head is kind of shaped like a praying mantis. The eyes never blinked, not once. When it jumped off the garage roof, everybody screamed as it flew over the trees. He flew over the backyard of Bob's grandmother's house and it was gone. Now Bob admits there was drinking during the party, but no one was drunk, not even tipsy. I mean, I've not been drunk many times in my life. But whenever I have been, I mean, I don't hallucinate. Do you? I get a little lightheaded. I don't see demons sitting on top of garages. It's, well, they were drinking that. You hear that all the time. Well, they were drinking that night. Well, they had a little pot. It, it's not like they were dropping acid. They had a little booze or, or maybe maybe a joint. Who gives a crap? That stuff doesn't mess with your senses to that extreme. It's a cop-out and it, it, it angers me. that Anytime somebody may, maybe has a drink, one drink, two drinks, a puff of a joint... No, we can't trust them. We can't trust them. Why not? Why not? It's ridiculous. Caffeine is a drug. I'm drinking I'm drinking a Diet Mountain Dew right now. Does that mean I can't trust my senses? That I don't think my dog and my cats are by my feet right now? Absolutely ridiculous. Bob and this group of seven people, they they go inside and they tell the others. Now, Bob's mother and grandmother, they, they initially think they're joking. But then, then all seven of them scared out of their minds. The mother and grandmother start to believe them. Bob's grandmother and grandfather said that... It was a creature called La Luceza. I hope I'm saying that right. La Luceza. I'd not heard of La Luceza before. This is this is a legend going back centuries. La Luceza was a witch uh, who in Mexican and Texano folklore was exposed for practicing satanic magic. Townsfolk aren't happy, they murder her. She comes back as a creepy bird lady. She's, she's a shapeshifter. She can appear as an ordinary witch through the day. And then as a huge bird with a woman's face. Luceza uh, translates to owl in English. Some describe La Luceza as seven feet tall. 15 foot wingspan the face of an old woman others will describe it as a regular small bird like a sparrow with the face of an old woman and quite honestly I couldn't tell you which would freak me out more she does attack and kill and and she also comes to to people in their dreams if you if you dream about her that that means that someone in your family is going to die and people who who see la luceza and la luceza doesn't try to kill them just kind of shows them that she's there then it kind of precedes a natural disaster a, a deadly hurricane a tornado the red eyes huge wingspan it's kind of sounding like the Mothman and Illinois has had a huge amount of Mothman sightings I've wondered what's going to happen in Illinois because Preceding New York in 9 11, Mothman sightings. Silver Bridge collapse, Mothman sightings. Chernobyl, Mothman sightings. There have been sightings of something flying around that does fit the description of Mothman in Illinois for years now. And I do wonder what's going to happen. Another interesting fact about La Luceza, I hesitate to use the word fact, but remember how the female cousins, they started screaming. The way to get rid of La Luceza, scream and curse at it. I do find that interesting that the female cousins, they start to scream. And this creature who might be a mothman, might be a demon, might be La Luceza, Flies away. Maybe the grandparents were right. Maybe what they saw was La Luchesa. I was, I was going through 4chan, the Xboards today, and a post caught my eye. There, there wasn't a lot of responses to the post, but, but this post triggered something in, in my memory. So we're going to take this road. So the post was about eternal swamps. I'm going to read this post word for word. So Anonymous on 4chan says, Someone a few years ago on 2chan told about eternal swamp mechanisms. If you get close, they can destroy your mind. People who live near them more likely to commit suicide or go crazy. I was very excited about this phenomenon and wanted to find more information. I've been looking at Google Maps for hours and found places that terrified me to the core. Something was looking at me through the monitor, something big and powerful. I felt the eyes of the ancient beings upon me. Even after I moved away from the computer on home things, I still felt their presence. I decided to search the internet if someone had encountered a similar phenomenon, but no one even raised the topic of these eyes among the swamps. Like I was the only one who saw those eyes on a map. This prompted me to find more similar places on the map. After a short search, I noticed a lot of identical swamps. They definitely could not form naturally, Someone or something created them. Perhaps these are the very swamp mechanisms that the Anon spoke of. As I was reading this post on 4chan's Xboard, two things came to mind. The first thing that came to mind was how relaxing I find swamps. I, I, I grew up pretty near a swamp in Finzel, Maryland, called Cranberry Swamp. If you've not walked through a swamp, for the most part, I would say it's delightful and you're missing out. If you can, if you can, go near sunset. Because all the frogs will be chirping and if you get it at just the right time of year, the frogs are so loud, it hurts your ears. It's, it's amazing. It's breathtaking. It's, it's, it's beautiful. So I strongly suggest that. The second thing that came to mind were, and he, he's talking about eternal swamp mechanisms. In Siberia, there's, there's this taiga. It's T-A-I-G-A. It, it's an unspoiled region. It's unexplored. It, it's, it's probably more unexplored than the Amazon jungle. There's about 100,000 square kilometers in Yakutia, that are completely uninhabited. No trails, nothing. Humans very, very rarely go through them. Thick forest growth, uprooted trees, and swamps. Huge, massive, gargantuan swamps, swarms of mosquitoes. It's, there, there's a lot of legends that come out of there. But the most peculiar legend is about the Valley of Death and its cauldrons. The, these nomads that have gone through there and hunters that happen to wander into these territories discover these odd houses shaped like copper hemispheres protruding from, from this ground that stays frozen most of the time. Now, these, these hemispheres, they're smooth. They have an opening at the top and then a winding stairwell leading to a circular gallery and a lot of metal rooms. Sometimes the temperatures outside, they would drop to 40 below. But it was always warm inside. The locals, the Yakutians, they, they're the ones who named these houses cauldrons. In their own language, it's, it's Olguis, but it does mean cauldron. They seem to be made out of this unknown metal. Copper-like in color. Incredibly hard, with razor-sharp edges. And maybe it's just my mind drawing parallels. Unknown metal, copper-like in color. The kexberg acorn, copper-like in color. Incredibly hard. It's probably me just making connections. No one has ever been able to cut off even just a small fragment of of these cauldrons and over time these cauldrons they're slowly sinking into the frozen ground they disappear and they they only have left behind large circular vegetation just The the plants look different. Even though these places were warm, they they have posed a danger for every living thing that comes near the cauldrons. Your you would get near, your head would start to spin, and you would get ill. And then you would die. The Yakutian elders prohibited others from coming to these parts. They said, this, this area is cursed. Don't go in it. And they named it, and I am going to massacre this, Yulia Uyu, Tchirketchik, the Valley of Death. In 1936... a a geologist did find a cauldron that hadn't completely submerged into the ground near Olgiodok River. Olgiodok, by the way, that that actually translates to place with a cauldron. This geologist said that it was a smooth metal hemisphere with razor-sharp edges, and it was reddish in color. The walls were about two centimeters thick, And only a fifth of this thing was above the ground. But you could get to the opening in the dome. You'd have to be sitting on a reindeer and you kind of climb over to it. But you could get in. This geologist, he, he sends his description to the capital city of Yakutsk. No one gives it any mind. It's lost to history. Nobody cares. That's not the only, the only traveler who claims to have come across it. Uh, there was a Mikhail Koretsky from Vladivostok. Uh, he wrote to the newspaper Trud and said, hey, I, I've been to the Valley of Death three times. I was there in 1933. I was 10 years old. Uh, 1937 I was there again and then 1947 I've seen seven cauldrons they all measure between six and nine meters in diameter the the plants around them it's unnatural it's more lush than the surrounding plants there are giant burdock leaves long stalks weird grass twice as tall as a man they actually spent one night in a cauldron. Nothing really happened to anyone that night. But one member of their group, a month later, loses all his hair and he gets two blemishes on his cheek. They never heal. the even though even though like these cauldrons seem to actually be in this frozen swamp, they've never really warranted an expedition there was there was another case nineteen seventy one uh an Aveni hunter he found uh in the ground an iron burrow. Now, as unbelievable as this seems, but we here at Strange Pathways, that's what we deal with. He, he goes into one of these cauldrons, and he sees a skinny, black, one-eyed creature in an iron costume. No one believes this hunter. But he's there going, come, come with me. I will show you. I will take you to the cauldron. I will show you this this Cyclopean being. No one cares. And then he dies. Finally, 1979, an archaeological expedition is set out from the capital city, Yakutsk. They have a guide... Uh, An old man who had seen cauldrons whenever he was younger, they they go out. They don't locate a single cauldron. The area, this valley of death, this swamp, is in such a state of flux that it changes dramatically year to year to year. You have to understand, the the vegetation is so thick, you can't see ten steps ahead of you. There are those that believe that these cauldrons are ancient alien weapons used to protect the Earth from asteroids and comets that would strike us and wipe us out. There are those that believe that these structures and these legends they're just old Russian nuke silos. And then there are those that believe that the entire story is nothing at all. I, I personally want to believe that these are alien weapons. Who doesn't want to live in that world? Where not only are there alien cauldrons in Siberia... But they've been placed here to protect us. Like something, something out there cares for us enough to protect us from extinction. It's, it's a nice feeling to be cared for, to have some sort of space brother look out for us. But then in the back of my mind, that thought comes in. Maybe it's not that they care for us. Maybe they just don't want their cattle destroyed. Thank you for joining us once again here at Strange Pathways. Head on over to the Facebook page. We're going to have a few images set up on the Strange Pathways Facebook page dealing with today's tales be sure to get out there like post comment subscribe on youtube give us give us a five-star review on itunes it really does help the podcast and be sure to get out there and let your friends know you know you have a friend that's gonna love the show you know you have a family member that's that's going to love this show I've seen I've seen more than a few posts recently on on, on some forums and and on 4chan. Some people love the show. Some people hate the show. That's fine. That's fine. I'm there there's no product out there that's going to be for absolutely everybody. But I see this show growing and growing and it just it makes me happier and happier every time I log on and I see another subscriber and I thank you all so much so if you'd like to get in contact with me please get a hold of me strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com I am so sorry that I haven't gotten back to everybody as I said my wife was in hospital it's it made it very hard to reach out to everybody as soon as I'm done recording, I'm actually going to, to go and, and take care of a few emails, reach out to a few people. Thank you all again for listening. Thank you so, so much. Take care of yourselves and each other.